This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got uh, John Beeler with me today to help uh, co-host uh, the program. We've got some uh, interesting things to talk about. We'll be talking with uh, Alexandra Samuel uh, about digital well-being. So important that uh, Apple and Google are uh, on this bandwagon to make sure that we protect ourselves from doing too much digitally. And using their software and tools too much? Yes. Yeah. They've created the monster. Now they're feebly trying to rein it in. Yes. yes. We'll also be talking uh, with uh, a journalist uh, from uh, the uh, National Press uh, about the digital AI laws, artificial intelligence laws uh, in Canada, and how they're kind of non-existent or very, very weak. You know, artificial intelligence is increasing exponentially you know all the data that we're giving all these companies they're using ai to manipulate that and use that uh, companies police healthcare workers train their robots to train the robots that might one day take over and kill us we'll uh, get to an understanding of where we're at and what we need to do to protect ourselves let's talk about some of the app news this week uh, john and, and again uh, another uh, privacy breach uh, this is uh courtesy of Snapchat. Snapchat is that uh, app, uh, unless you are under 20 years of age, you don't know anything about or use. Do you have it? (laughs) I do. Do you ever use it? Barely. Yeah, I have it. And I don't think I've ever got any snaps lately. Or maybe I didn't load it again on my new iPhone here. It's one of those things that anytime a new platform comes out, people sort of rush to. And then if it's not your jam, you abandon it. And I think, like you said, if you're over a certain age, it's probably not for you. Well, in this case here back, uh, this was a a few years ago, uh, some of the employees had unfettered access to users' uh, data and information. They would be able to go into user profiles and actually see some of the uh, location data of where those people were and even their snaps as well, the the pictures and messages that they're sending each other. Well, this is, you know, another cautionary tale of what are you giving these apps? Are you giving them, you know, your your nudes with your girlfriend or your boyfriend? to send to somebody else, uh, thinking that no one else is going to see it, but that other no, recipient. no one will. Right. Yeah. Once it's on the internet, it's there forever. Yes. So just assume that all the time, no matter how secure they say it is. Right. And this is a perfect example. You know, Snap uh, with their Snapchat will always say that you know that message disappears right away. That was the big appeal to the kids because yeah. they could send all these crazy messages to each other, and it would disappear after 10 seconds and uh, never to be seen again. And parents couldn't look in on that. That's right. The other thing I found out about Snapchat users, though, was the fact that a lot of these kids, they love it because they have, they've inherited their parents' old phones that have no storage. And so they can just basically take a picture and it just goes out to the cloud into the, you know, to their friends or whatever. And then it's gone. They don't have to fill up their phone with photos. So it's a very disposable piece of technology, I think, in a lot of ways. But um, definitely, you know, uh, as we found out, it doesn't always go away. So Snapchat, you suck too. (laughs) Just like the rest of them, you again violated privacy without uh, due attention or care. Regulations need to be coming to to look after us because these corporations just blindly try to build up their business without any bother or care for their customers' private info. The other thing that's concerning too is, you know, what are the age limits for using Snapchat? What kind of uh, access do these employees have of underage photos and things like that? Oh, my God. Yeah. 
because they could be potentially, if these kids are sending nudes of each other, they could be viewing child pornography. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Oh, that would be yeah. a good thing to go after them for. Uh, let's go on to something a little lighter. Uh, you're a big gamer. I am. But more so retro gamer. Pretty much. Yes, yes. I, I am too. Yeah. I think we're of that age where we love the old games. And yeah. uh, both you and I, we have retro emulators, these apps that uh, work on our computers, or we've built Raspberry Pis as well, these little mini computers. And your new car has one too. Oh my God, yeah, my new Tesla. My new Tesla, one of the uh, hidden Easter eggs uh, on the big giant screen on my Model 3 is uh, a section where you can play some old Atari games, Centipede and Missile Command, like the old Atari 2600 games right on my giant console screen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is kind of cool. So it's a big thing. Retro gaming is huge. These emulators, these apps that let you play some of these old games are huge. Uh, and now we're seeing uh, there's a, a new device coming out, a little handheld called the uh, Playdate Retro Handheld Game System uh, that uh, is coming out for about 200 Canadian. Yeah, this has a really interesting sort of backstory too. The The company behind it is Panic, the software developers. They've been making really cool and useful Mac and PC apps for 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 decades. Yeah. Uh, and they've always been a little quirky and a little different. And I actually have had a chance to be in their studio for some tours a few times. And they're just a great bunch of people. And so what's really cool for me is that, you know, a really interesting app developer is working with a really interesting music hardware developer, Teenage Engineering, who also has partnered with IKEA to build speakers and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, they have now have worked together, Panic and Teenage Engineering to make a little handheld called the Playdate that has a really interesting model. It's a black and white screen. Black and white. Yeah. And that's retro. It's very retro. Yes. It even has a hand crank on the side. Why would you need a hand crank? It's one of the methods of interacting with it. So that's, that's kind of crazy. It's crazy. And, yep. you know, if you know these companies, they're, they're kind of kooky companies, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the interesting model behind the game platform is, is that uh, they're going to, when you buy this device, uh, it's going to come out with a new game every week for 12 weeks. And they're currently uh, looking for developers to make other games for it. So it's kind of like, you know, on your phone, when you have like a little puzzle game or something like that. You want something quick and fast. This is the idea behind the play date. It's going to give you these little fun, little retro uh, boosts of nostalgia. And um, they're going to come up with new stuff all the time for it. Is it locked down to the games that they provide or can you put other emulators on there? To be determined. Yeah. They haven't really released a lot of information about this yet, but it's definitely an exciting development for the retro gamers. Uh, if you look online and see a picture of this device, it's super cute. It's super small. It fits in your pocket. Um, I think a lot of people are going to want to have that a little these. crank is going to jam into you all the time. Perhaps maybe it's detachable. I hope so. But, you know, we were talking about this uh, earlier this week. There's all these kind of Kickstarter-y type devices. This is a new device. Like, why do I want to put 200 bucks into this with the fear that it might not uh, be around two years from now? What was that one that uh, you and Graham bought into? So uh, a few years ago, the Ouya game console was sort of a similar kind of promise. An Android game console. It was an Android game console. It was a little tiny little box. You plug into your TV and you get a Bluetooth controller with it. And the idea is that it's an outlet for the independent game developers to have uh, a place to sell their wares. And it was pretty popular when it first launched, but the challenge was support and the company that sort of was behind it all uh, had some financial difficulties as well. So, um, but they, you know, it was supposedly it was an open platform. It's an Android 
based system, but there's still, and there's always some kind of backend server that needs to be there to activate or turn on something that's actually shutting down later this summer for good. Um, no word yet if someone's going to take that and sort of, so is it useless the whole thing? It sounds like it might be. It, yeah. If you have games already installed on the Ouya platform, you'll still be able to use it. Um, it also so has the time to download everything you download can. Download everything you can. Yeah. Uh, but some of those games actually might need to phone home once you've actually launched them. Yeah. See, that's right? the problem. Like a lot of these things are kind of cloud-based as well. So yeah. if that company goes out of business, that cloud service goes out of business as well, and everything collapses. So that's why I'm worried about this Playdate game gaming. Yeah, thing. The, anything cloud-based is always concerning for me. Uh, and especially the retro game people, they love the fact that they can take these cartridges with them yes. uh, on an old Game Boy, yeah. right, for example, because that cloud's not going to go away. No. Right? If they lose the cartridge, that's the only scenario where they, it'll stop working. Uh, and there's even a small subculture of people that are repairing and re- restoring broken Game Boys, for example. Um, but again, no cloud implications. So... Uh, I, I'm really optimistic about the Playdate. I'm probably going to get one. Of course you will. I know you. <laughs> Your house is filled with this this stuff, I'm sure. Uh, let's talk about something serious again, facial recognition technology. Uh, we use it, uh, many of us, on our phones to unlock our phones, you know, the iPhone 10s and some of the Android devices. Uh, we're seeing it more and more used by law enforcement and government now as well. China is famous for this. They've got cameras, hundreds of millions of cameras all over the country that use facial recognition to find criminals and, and deadbeats, uh, you know, for good or bad. Uh, you can argue that. Well, there's some jurisdictions now uh, in Western countries, and I'm looking specifically at San Francisco, uh, uh, they're looking to ban facial recognition to be used by police. So the police can't use that when uh, they're looking at a crowd uh, or, you know, on their cars or CCTV. I, and I, I think a lot of the uh, regulators and, and the, um, uh, the, the government officials are starting to realize that this is really kind of scary what kind of information these systems can have and how it can be utilized maybe inappropriately, you know, or overzealously at least. Um, So they're looking to ban it in various jurisdictions. And I know in Canada, federally, they're looking at what's going on in San Francisco to see how that might play out here and whether we should be considering that kind of stuff as well. What do you think? Um, It's a double-edged sword. I kind of like the idea of these cameras that are out there can automatically find the bad guys. Yeah. But... What's, What's a bad de- guy? What is the definition <laughs> of a bad guy? Oh, I didn't make my mortgage this month, right. or I'm late paying my car payment. But if you know, if you think of like say a, a tragedy where like there's a shooting or something like that, yes. where they're trying to find somebody, the rush to find a bad guy might be a little too quick with a, a partial recognition, you know, on these things. Well, humans were always good with technology and just coming out with the best intentions uh, right off the bat. Maybe it'll be cloud-based, so it, it'll disappear. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, we have so much more to talk about on the App Show today. Coming up next, your digital well-being. Google's trying to look out for you. What does it all mean? Stay tuned. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Well, our world is completely controlled by the internet and uh, our online personas. Everything is up in the cloud. How are we looking after our well-being? Well, Google has a plan. They've announced uh, the Google Digital Well-Being Initiative at Google I.O. To help us understand what that means and how it will save all of our lives, we've uh, got our favorite tech socialist, uh, Alexandra Samuel. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Nice speaking with you. Oh, uh, so explain to our listeners what uh, this is all about. Well, you know, like um, a lot of tech players, I think Google is recognizing that 
um, the blessings it has bestowed upon us in the form of endless technology um, also bring us a lot of challenges. And um, so they've created this digital well-being portal to help people think about some of the biggest challenges around technology. And I was fortunate to be part of this project and to share some of my own suggestions for how you can achieve focus even when your phone is in the room. Uh, and how and when it might even be, God forbid, appropriate to leave your phone in another room. So do you think this initiative is going to change your life? <laughs> well, you know, I think the, there's certainly a lot of ideas that people discussed in the videos on the site that I found really interesting. Um, I, you know, I regard uh, digital well-being as a kind of core lifestyle practice for all of us at this point. You know, if you um, think about your life, uh, I will bet you you spend more time holding your phone or on your computer, then you spend in church, then you spend at the bank, then you spend maybe with your spouse or even with your kids. And yet, um, you know, there are a million self-help books for uh, how to deal with your finances and how to get closer to God and how to help your marriage. Um, and yet this, this life we have online touches all of those and more. And yet we often don't take the time to reflect on how we can make our technology work for us instead of uh, harassing, stressing, and distracting us. I'm a little concerned because uh, since Apple, and I know they're not Google, but Apple's got screen time now, I'm getting these awful reports that really make me feel bad about myself. I'm literally spending way too many hours uh, a day. Do you think th these types of initiatives are going to help people make them more aware? Or are we just so addicted we don't care? You know, I think a lot of people are experiencing enough pain now around their digital habits that they're grateful to have different tools that uh, help keep it in check. So I know a lot of people will use, you know, browser extensions that block Facebook if they're trying to work or that help remind them if they fall off, off task when they're on their computers. Uh, I think that the danger of that approach is if the tail wags the dog. Installing a bunch of browser extensions or a bunch of focus apps um, is not going to help you get your relationship to technology into a healthier place unless you know what it is you want technology to do, unless you know what you want from the technologies in your life, and unless you're really clear on where you want tech to um, take a break. And so I always encourage people to start by thinking, you know, well, what are your big goals? What's really important to you in your career, in your personal life, in your family life, in your friendships? And then how can you organize your devices to help you focus more on what you want and help avoid um, the, the kind of pitfalls we all have? I think, you know, all of us have certain kinds of behaviors that we can fall into online. And then, as you say, you look at your screen time and you think, wow, I spent 14 hours on Facebook this week. I'm not sure that I really wanted that much uh, Facebook in my life. I'm not sure it really left me feeling better. But that doesn't mean you want Sorry, to quit oh, Facebook. You only you only spent fourteen hours. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm I'm terrified. If I actually looked, I might actually be more. But you know, small things um, can help keep that in check. So you need to think like, okay, I spend all that time on Facebook because I really want to know what my friends are up to, and I really love being able to connect with my closest friends, or I really love to be able to share my artwork, or I really love to be able to share pictures of my kids. But once I'm on Facebook, I tend to start clicking things and get lost in the vortex. So, you know, that suggests a really simple strategy. Uh, don't put Facebook on your home screen. Put it a little further away so that you only look at it when you really, really want to look at it and not just sort of out of habit. And when you go on Facebook, think about what it is that you came to do 
and maybe even set a timer so after five or ten minutes you get a reminder, oh, yeah, I didn't mean to disappear into this vortex of link clicking. Uh, I've done the thing I came here to do, and now I'm going to put it away. Apple tells me I'm 40% down from a previous day's Facebook <laughs> browsing. Mazel tov. Well, I mean, I will confess the number one uh, habit that has helped me uh, reduce the amount of mindless time I spent on Facebook and that I spent on mobile games because I have a few like little mobile puzzles that I've spent terrifying amounts of time on over the years. Um, what really shifted that for me was when I started knitting. And I started knitting specifically to um, stem my addiction to one of these mobile puzzles. And, you know, now I'm a weird knitter who knits all the time. Um, but it's been a lot healthier for me than just clicking little boxes on a screen. We're talking with our friend Alexandra Samuel, tech socialist, socialist slash knitter. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, there's some other weird <laughs> weird quirk about you, but I love you. Uh, those were some uh, great thoughts, and I appreciate uh, you coming on the show today. So nice speaking with you. When we come back from the break, it's the Hot 5 app countdown. Hot 5 VPN apps, virtual private networks uh, for when you're out and about and don't want to be tracked down. And uh, also we'll be chatting uh, about artificial intelligence uh, laws in Canada. Are they strong enough? Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike and Graham here in studio today. Still lots to talk about. We'll be doing a Facebook tip of the week. But before we get to all of that, one of my favorite segments. The weekly app Hot 5. This week, it's the Hot 5 VPN, or Virtual Private Network Apps. And before we get into them, uh, Graham, just explain to the listeners out there what a VPN is and what it does, for those that don't know. So a VPN is a virtual private network, and basically what this is, is a computer that you connect to that essentially masks the traffic that you are sending out into the world. So this is used for a lot of people if they need to make a secure connection back to their computer at home, uh, or if they need to make a secure, secure connection to their computer at work, or if, for example, you're traveling and uh, you want to be able to connect to a Canadian server. You can have a Canadian virtual private network so you can watch Canadian Netflix and listen to Canadian Spotify and all, all that sort of good stuff. So it's a way of uh, securing your connection. It's a way of uh, making it look like you are in one place and not another. Uh, and it's, it's a way of getting access to content uh, that may be in a different country. A lot of people use these as well to get uh, American Netflix. Yes, they do. Um, you can, and again, these are these are great ways of getting secure connections into a place that you want them to be. So we're talking the Hot Five virtual private network apps uh, this week. Number five, Open VPN Connect. It's for Android and it's free. Yes, and free comes with a bit of a price because there is a bit of a learning curve with this. So your uh, individual settings for tuning your VPN network, in a lot of cases uh, with other VPNs where it's just a straight tunnel and you're, you're, you're basically it's set up in the app, you've got to do some more work with OpenVPN. Number four, we're talking about the Hot 5 VPN apps. This week, number four is TunnelBear VPN and Wi-Fi Proxy for Android and for iOS and again, free. Yeah, and I've used TunnelBear in the past, and they give you 500 megabytes of free browsing. Uh, it's actually quite good because you can use it on Mac, you can use it on Windows, and you can also use it on your mobile devices. So it's uh, it's kind of a great way, of, again, of keeping that, that connection secure, and you can start out with a free package. But 500 megabytes goes by pretty quick. You would not believe how quick. <laughs> and then you pay. Yep. Again, uh, number four, that was TunnelBear VPN and Wi-Fi proxy for Android and iOS. Number three on our Hot 5 this week, Keep Solid VPN Unlimited, again, for Android and iOS. But this one here comes at a price. It's nine ninety nine a month or one hundred and twenty dollars for lifetime. 
Now, I've done this in the past where I've actually paid for lifetime services for, for VPN, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Um, the challenge there is, and especially if you're using this for Netflix, Netflix kind of has a commitment where they have to stay one sort of step ahead of people trying to bounce around the world. But the nice thing about this one is they have 70 locations around the world where you can log into. So if you do need to have a secure connection to different places around the world, that $10 a month or that $120 for lifetime uh, should be fairly good. It's not really a whole lot of risk to go with that $120, though, because if you think you're going to have it for more than a year and Keep Solid's been around for a while, uh, that may actually be a good investment. Well, PC Magazine uh, wrote uh, gave it the, the VPN of the Year Award in 2017. They get a thumbs up from me as well. They get a thumbs up. We're talking about the Hot 5 virtual private network apps to keep you anonymous uh, on the internet. Uh, number two is NordVPN. Again, uh, this is for Android and iOS, and it's $69 a year. This is actually my VPN of choice. I've been using Nord for quite a few years. Um, You can, if you're crafty, actually find some sales on these. So if you're not needing a VPN right now, keep an eye on NordVPN because $70 a year is a really good price. And the best thing about this is that you can use this across six different devices. So I've got my iPad, I've got my iPhone, I've got my MacBook, and I've got my iMac. Apple household much, um, but all of those devices are actually connected through NordVPN when I do need to connect around the world. So it's uh, typically 70 bucks a year. You say it's sometimes on sale even cheaper? I got it for 29 Whoa, that's that's good. Keep your eyes open for a sale. And six devices at a time. That's correct. At the same time. Yeah. Well, that's good because most of us have computer, laptops, tablets, phones. Right. Number one uh, VPN app on the Hot 5 VPN apps here on the App Show is VPN by Private Internet Access. This one here is uh, for Android and iOS, and it's $39 uh, a year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Christina was actually saying that this is her VPN of choice. You can also use this on uh, your desktop, and it is great because not only does it um, give you VPN access, but they've got a feature that they call Mace. And Mace is kind of neat because it actually uses domain level and IP level blocking for things like ads and trackers and malware. So when it identifies that someone is tracking your uh, you know, progress through the web or it identifies an ad that's out there, it can filter that stuff out, which is super helpful if you're doing mobile browsing uh, while you're roaming because it's going to cut down on the amount of traffic. I was reading a study the other day that says up to 50 to 70% of mobile traffic is actually ads when you're, when you're browsing. It's getting irritating, Graham. Uh, you know, I surf the web a lot. Uh, and the video ads that come up that just start playing and playing audio right away drive me crazy. This is one of the great features that I think Apple has rolled out really well in the new mobile Safari. And I think, uh, you know, mobile Firefox, the new uh, quantum mobile Firefox uh, has done. Google is getting there, uh, but they're doing a great job of one, not auto playing ads two not downloading that data before it's needed. And three, when they do play, it doesn't play with volume until you tap on it. That is the perfect experience for mobile when it comes to video. That was the Hot 5 VPN apps uh, this week. Graham, we have a Facebook tip. We do have a Facebook tip this week, and our Facebook tip this week is great for group chats uh, when you want to set up a chat with friends, uh, and that is adding a nickname for people in your group chat. This can actually be kind of a fun little feature. So when you set up a group chat, you invite all of your people to it. Um, You can actually give this group a name. So you're going to tap on the list of names at the top and you can tap on that, hit edit, and now you can add a name for the group. If you want to, scroll down and tap on nicknames where you will see uh, the name of everyone there. Tap on the individual person that you want to add a nickname for. You can give them an emoji or an icon, uh, and you can give them something that's a little bit fun. Uh, Be aware that they will see this, so this is something that's going to be public in the group. Uh, When you're done, tap back to group and tap back, and now you can actually chat with all of your friends uh, with a nickname in your Facebook Messenger group. 
This is Mike and Graham. You're listening to The App Show. We will be back shortly after this. Let's talk about artificial intelligence uh, now. It's uh, becoming more and more prevalent in our lives. Uh, Many companies uh, use it to understand uh, the data that they're getting in to help our lives uh, become better. That can be as simple as Netflix uh, figuring out what movies uh, I like. It's kind of spooky accurate. Well, Canada might lack the laws to tackle some of the problems posed by artificial uh, artificial intelligence, according to experts. Uh, A great article uh, written by Chris Reynolds uh, from the Canadian Press. We've got him on the line to help us understand this. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks very much. So I I found this this article fascinating. So uh, you're basically writing uh, uh, about these experts that are are warning us that we don't have the laws to properly look after artificial intelligence and some of the problems that uh, arise from that. Can you explain? That's right. There are basically no overarching laws, or there is no overarching set of laws that's AI-specific that will limit anything from how police use predictive policing with AI technology, which is starting up to how uh, doctors might choose to uh, use AI to help them uh, treat or diagnose or assess uh, an injury or an illness or a healthcare problem. There are no regulations or overarching sets of uh, of, uh, regulations or laws specific to AI to help rein in what might be some of the worst uh, impulses folks have toward it. This is interesting because I can't even really wrap my head around how they would even define these laws. Do you know what I mean? It's such a uh, a huge and, and nebulous kind of technology and, and, and topic. Where would they even begin? That's right. So let's take one example, uh, predictive policing or the use of artificial intelligence in policing. Uh, in the U.S., this has started up a lot. Uh, there are, that is, algorithms will assess vast, reams of data uh, on, say, um, uh, people who've been accused or convicted of crimes to help maybe uh, the criminal justice system determine what an appropriate uh, bail or sentence or parole uh, should be. Uh, Factors such as um, an accused or a convicted person's age, uh, their criminal history, uh, are taken into account, and that is used uh, to help to help uh, prosecutors or to help a judge determine uh, anything from a bail hearing to uh, parole. And there are potential problems in there. While this can mean more efficiency in the assessment or uh, risk assessment process, it also means that biases we already carry could be perpetuated in uh, in this now automated algorithmic process. For example, if someone has a longer or more substantial criminal history, that might well be because of an individual's behavior, but it could also be because of over-policing or uh, discriminatory practices by a police uh, by, by a police force in a particular city. One expert pointed to Chicago, which uh, she named a, a, a horror case, looking to predictive policing where... Uh, an abundance of young black men were highlighted as potential um, uh, risks for, for in shooting cases. But this is predictive policing again, uh, simply because of an, an algorithm found them to be 
uh, more likely when the vast majority of the people listed had never actually uh, been involved in a shooting incident, victim or, or otherwise. So you're saying that human bias has uh, infected this predictive policing? There is that potential, exactly. And in Canada, Vancouver, Edmonton, uh, Saskatoon, and London, Ontario have all piloted or implemented predictive policing. So there are concerns. Uh, obviously, discrimination in any context uh, is, is illegal, but there are concerns that we need more specific regulation for how artificial intelligence is used, including when it is uh, imperative to have a human making a final decision rather than an algorithm. Well, it's interesting. Uh, in your article as well, uh, you referenced, uh, uh, I guess, uh, weapons, uh, weapons of war that uh, you know incorporate artificial uh, intelligence as well. Uh, you know, basically allowing machines to make the decision of life, of life or death, like who they're shooting or or bombing. I mean, uh, I think a lot of us can wrap our heads around that because we've watched too many Terminator uh, movies. But like you said, uh, when you start getting into things like predictive policing and even into the health field, it's just uh, wide open. Yeah, that's right. I don't believe that artificial intelligence is, uh, is widely used yet in uh, healthcare to diagnose health problems or to treat them, but the potential is there. It's, uh, the industry seems on the cusp of going there, but again, uh, clinicians, doctors are afraid, one expert told me, to get into this because there's a lack, it's sort of a gray area as to how AI can be used. And the federal government doesn't seem to be moving uh, very swiftly, at least, toward any kind of a strong set uh, of, of regulations. Is that because there's really no precedent for this? Like, how are we compared to, like, the U.S. or the European Union? That's a great question. Yeah, the, the U.S. and the EU, neither of them have, uh, have uh, really strong, broad sets of regulations that are AI-specific either. They have both the uh, U.S. Congress and EU Commission produced more extensive reports than Canada has done. Canada has basically come out with a very short set of principles. I believe it's about 119 words. This is the Treasury Board of Canada on the responsible use of AI that stresses transparency and proper training whenever it's deployed. Um, and the uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, along with the French president, Emmanuel Macron, just in December, uh, commissioned this joint task force to help guide AI policy development with an eye to human rights. But there any, any report that is going to emerge from this uh, has no timeline, and whether that's going to lead to, uh, whether that's going to, lead to uh, regulation is still up in the air. Do you think we're far off? from actually trying to get a handle on this? Uh, well, if you're right. AI is this vast, nebulous realm with uh, vague terminology and just uh, almost endless, apparently, applications and almost endless, apparent applications. So uh, I think a broad set of federally mandated regulations or legislation specific to AI is a ways off. One thing that several experts have recommended is basically um, that the that very field be overseen, uh, audited or overseen or monitored um, by groups of experts or by agencies, 
uh, so that so that it's sort of an industry speci- industry specific regulatory bodies, uh, so, so that unique challenges specific to those industries can be can be handled appropriately when it comes to AI. We've been talking to uh, Chris Reynolds from the Canadian Press uh, about uh, how Canada is uh, maybe lacking on. Uh, how we can tackle some of the uh, problems that uh, AI might uh, face us humans in the future and building the laws around that. Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Mike. A lot more to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Before we get to our travel app of the week, we've got a fitness app of the week. Graham, what do we got? So this week's fitness app of the week is Jeffit. J-E-F-I-T. It's a workout Sorry, tracker. Jeffit. Jeffit. And um, it's for Android, <laughs> iOS, and there is a desktop web app as well. It's free with in-app purchases, which is a premium subscription to track things and, uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, over 8 million people are using this. And it's an exercise tracker that gives you uh, detailed workout programs, uh, HD video exercise instructions, and a bunch of tools to log and track what it is that you're doing. Um, so this actually has more than 1,300 exercises in the app's database. And you can plan out your routines, uh, both inside and outside the gym and it lets you uh you choose from other user generated workouts so basically you can go through the community find a workout that you feel is going to be cool for you and do something different each time so that's this week's fitness app of the week jeff it thanks graham well it's that time now it's our travel app of the week this week we have day use and this one is available on both android and ios for free um, this one is interesting, actually. Uh, if you're if you've ever taken a red eye or had a strange layover, you can find yourself with no place to go. This one allows you to book hotel rooms for the day rather than the evening hours, so you have a place to relax or take a shower or you know get some work done while you're laying over. Um, and it often gives you the same access to the same amenities that other guests are enjoying, but it is at a reduced rate. So you're saving a bit of money and getting a little bit of comfort on your journey. What's it called again? Day use. And what platforms is it available for? Available on Android and iOS, and it's free to download. I love this because I've taken a lot of red-eye flights, especially if you go international. Uh, You know, I flew uh, over to uh, Taipei in Taiwan last year, and I got in at like 7 in the morning, and I had nothing to do. And this app would be perfect to help me find a place to stay. That's right. And again, it gives you uh, access to a lot of amenities. So it's a nice way to relax and, you know, decompress after your long journey. Well, thank you very much, Christina. That was uh, Day Use, uh, the app that helps you find places to stay during the day, during layovers uh, or after red-eye flights. That's all the time we have left. I really want to thank Graham and Christina my fellow producers and co-hosts here on the App Show. And again, great to have you back, Christina. Great to be back. Don't forget to listen to our sister show every Saturday on the Chorus Radio Network. Get connected. Your look at everyday tech and smart home technology as well. Mike, Graham, and Christina signing off for the App Show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.